Welcome back, my friends, to the Sweet Spot, where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and I sing every week. I have my two co-hosts, our Holton and Paul Lewis. How's it going? It's like I haven't seen you since last year. Yep, it's like it's been a whole year. I mean, that's on the, the calendar, at least. That's the perfect dad joke. <laughs> Whole year. <laughs> definitely a dad joke. I think if you take the word perfect and put it in front of dad joke, I, I think it's somewhat of a misnomer. <laughs> Anything interesting in this last year? This is the last time. It does feel like a long time has passed, though, and and I kind of had to uh, I kind of had to wince a little bit when when Carlos said, "As in every week," because it's been a few <laughs> weeks. Few minutes. It's been a few weeks, yeah. But sometimes we need some time off. I was able to visit a a country or three. I've come back with a little bit of a cold. That's good. That's good. Uh, I've just been in the cold. A country or three. A country or three. Yep. I did a little bit of France, a little bit of Italy, a little bit of Spain, a little bit of Disneyland Paris, you know, standard vacation. I like that you had to get the Disneyland in there. I mean, I will say, <laughs> without the Disneyland, I don't think it counts as a standard vacation for the Lewis household. It's true. That's true. I had a choice to fly into Barcelona and start there or fly into or start my vacation in Marseille. Uh and I said, well, why wouldn't I just fly into Paris and take the train to Marseille just like everybody else? Right. Of course, that's uh, <laughs> an additional three and a half hours each way, but still seemed worth sure. it to me. Yeah, 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 I would think so. I would think so. Um, so I think the family wants to go to Universal Studios this year out in California so we can go to Super Mario Land. Nice. I don't know if that's on your list of destinations to visit. but It um, should be, Yes. Wait, did they open one here? Yeah, In yeah. They they just opened the preview of it like a week ago. Nice. Oh, I thought that was only on Tokyo. No, no, no. They've been building it for a couple of years now in uh, in in Hollywood Studios LA, right? Um, and yeah, so it's it's opening uh, sometime in the next month, right? After they do their they they're they're in the midst of their kind of soft opening for for press. Um, I, I I I did submit, but they said, "Yeah, we're not we're not interested in. We we don't understand how enterprise technology press remotely fits here." So I didn't I didn't get invited. Did you tell them about all the IoT use of data? No, that didn't sway them. No, no, we didn't we didn't we didn't get that far. <laughs> Every press credential is a good press credential. Uh, one would hope. One would hope, but but no, I haven't I haven't been able to leverage that one yet. Um, in, in other news, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but um, Wizards of the Coast, owned by Hasbro, that owns the the Dungeons and Dragons, kind of caused a bit of a kerfuffle over the holiday. I don't know oh, if yeah. you guys saw any of that. Um, it no. does. I, I think it does have implications um, in in a couple ways in what we do. So, um, effectively, twenty years ago. They released a open an open gaming license and put some of their property under the open gaming license to support the community's creation of content for the Dungeons and Dragons gaming system. Okay, and the number of games that utilize the 
uh, open gaming license is rather huge, including video games, right? Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic was based off the open gaming license. Okay. Um, over the holiday, they released uh, a new new version in draft, supposed draft form of the open gaming license, revoking the prior open gaming license, mm-hmm. setting a licensing fee for any company that made more than $750,000 uh, a year. Um, and the, the uh, initial license fee is 25% wow. of total revenue, right? So good luck being profitable if somebody's taken that, that big a chunk. Right. And then additionally, um, added provisions that effectively said, we have an irrevocable right to use any content that you create under this license for any purpose we deem fit. Wow. Super aggressive. Um, they also attempted to retroactively cancel the prior, revoke the prior uh, open gaming license, version 1.0a. Hmm. So I bring that up for a couple of reasons. The first is um, the ability to retroactively um, invalidate a license agreement would have, any, really any contract of any kind, would have ramifications that I don't think we really understand, right? If you think about it from the perspective of, of uh, open source software mm-hmm. and what that could potentially do to open source software, if you utilize a library that all of a sudden no longer was yesterday under under a, an open source license and is no longer under said open source license, what does that mean for all of this, all of the derivative software that's been created if you can no longer use that, that piece of software that way? Right starts to get a little bit frightening. And then the second thing that I think was really interesting about it, and this isn't the topic for the day, just kind of something that happened during the holiday, is um, the damage they did to their reputation. Mm. Right? Um, because what they failed to realize, and I think, I think we often do this at, at, in our companies, is they failed to realize um, that there's Ziploc. By which I mean, I don't know if you buy Ziploc bags. But sure. do you call them zippered food storage bags or whatever the heck the generic name is? Like, do you call do you call it plastic wrap or saran wrap? Right? Do you call them um, tissues or Kleenex? Right. We often use the corporate name for something when we're referring to it, and we use the corporate name to refer to tabletop role playing games that were loosely based on what what you could call Dungeons and Dragons. We called it all D and D. The thing is, all I actually need are a couple pieces of paper, a couple pencils, and a set of dice, and I can play Dungeons and Dragons. I never need to purchase another thing from the company Wizards of the Coast that owns the, the, the name. And so in one fell swoop, they got absolutely everyone excited to look for something else to play besides D&D. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, and since then... Um, they had so many cancellations of their recurring um, SaaS application that they've withdrawn the current version um, and said they're going back to the drawing board with some revisions and changes to try to do some damage control. Do you think their goal was monetization? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They let, they've, and they've left a lot of money on the table, right? And and to be honest, had they said, had they recognized who their customers were, and had they said, we want to protect the D&D brand, and so we're going to release a new open gaming license that excludes the use of certain things so we can merchandise them. And it's just for merchandising. 
the gaming components will stay the same. The merchandising and licensing of merchandising will 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 roll back to Watson. We're going to improve our ability to do that. Right. Um, the fact is, I I can buy a thousand T-shirts around Dungeons and Dragons, none of which do I get from Watson. Right. Um, toys, so whatever. It was never really open. It was just called open. C correct. It was never held by the community. Um, and one of the coolest things about it is some of the larger kind of competitors, which are still small compared to Wizards of the Coast, mm -hmm. but some of the larger competitors um, in, kind of immediately responded and said they're creating a, a truly open uh, gaming license for a gaming system that is somewhat similar, that should be easy for people to adopt. And they've already released the license, even though they don't have the system yet, that clearly states it is irrevocable, right, in the license, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, so yeah, so it's kind of kind of gauntlet thrown, opportunity captured, um, that sort of stuff. But we we need to keep in mind that that anything and anyone can be displaced, right? And it's really critical to know your customer. It's really critical to understand why do they buy from you, why do they use you, and what have you done to make it easy for them to do so? Because we live in a fully enabled world, mm -hmm. and at any moment your customers can find someone else easier to use or simply not you easier to use and leave. True. So, right. So I think that you just brought a great point. And I'm thinking if we sit down from the customer side, like you said, right there, they were taking something that the customer has got used to it and they think in a different way and they were switching it. What if we think what the, customer will want what if we knew and we there will be some things that the customer could say i wish you will know this before you come and talk to me well it's good timing right like, i'll jump in first it's good timing especially it organizations that have a sort of calendar year start because calendar year start means that within this month they're going to do some sort of kickoff and they're going to talk about you know their programs for the year they're going to talk about their offerings for the year they're going to talk about their you know price increases for the year this is kind of the opportunity to say should we reevaluate our go to market strategy message brand um, and should i reevaluate what would resonate with the actual buyers that I'm trying to sell into, right? In a technology perspective, your buyers are somebody in the CTO office, somebody in the CIO office, a, a variety of degrees of potential people, right? Could be at the app side or the infrastructure side or the data side or the security side um, or the architecture side. It's all sort of part and parcel there. Uh, we have had a conversation in the past to say, you know, what, do CIOs or CTOs want to hear versus what we say, but it might be in our best interest to revisit that conversation, especially since all the changes that have happened in the last 24 months to say, are those messages differently? Do I need to hear different things? Do I just have the CIO or CTO have different expectations? And this is kind of what we can do for next 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I do think it's appropriate, right? Because um, everyone is doing their their SKO. Um, everyone's getting their annual plan kind of together. Um, and we're all shrinking our budgets, right? All of our budgets have shrank. 
Um, We're all tightening the belt. We're all trying to focus. Um, Our green money fund is dried up, right? Um, If I can't justify it, then uh, I likely don't have the funds for it. And my ability to be flexible um, is is also likely, right? Um, so I think it's, I do I do think it's a really good time to start. Um, and, and I will say the thing that I wish vendors knew and paid attention to is uh, I don't care about what my engineer cares about at to any to any percentile, right? Um, so that's the top town message is. It's not about selling me a feature that you would to the engineer. It's selling very differently to me. And you're about to describe it. Yeah. Um, What I care about is that the relationship is frictionless in my office. Mm. Right? It it must be 100% additive. And that doesn't mean things never go wrong. Right? Right. But it must be 100% additive to my office. Right. When things go wrong, we'll just start there. When things go wrong, I need to have the confidence that you're coming to me, not me coming to you. Hmm. Right. Like if you hear from me and that's the first time your company has heard that I have a problem, this stuff is wicked broken. And frankly, if it's the first time as a rep or or if, if you're my exec sponsor, if it's the first time that you're hearing that something is wrong with my account, that's also a problem much more for you than it is for me. Mm-hmm. Right. I should never be coming to my rep and saying, Hey, I have a problem. Uh, you know, I mean, right. Sure. sure. Right. But, but my organization has a technical problem. The last person that, that, that should be communicating is the CIO or the CTO calling the vendor rep saying, Hey, I have a problem. What are you doing about it? You should be right. calling me. Right. Um, so both proactive, but also playing and action in place. So some of those services aren't actually managed services, but there might be a project-related issue that shouldn't have got escalated to me, the CAO, until such time as you've addressed it in some way and have a plan of action to correct it. Um, I, I, I'm even like I'm okay if you just drop me a note and say, "Hey, we know we know you're having a problem. Here's the problem. We're on it. I'll get back to you in X amount of time with a plan." Right. Right. Set right. an expectation. I'm okay with that. Like uh, I would, I, 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 depending on the level of, of uh, kind of the problem, right? Is this a minor issue that someone's complaining about or is the whole world on fire, right? Mm-hmm. I guess the height of the bonfire um, tells me how, how flexible I need to be in accepting a message, you know, based on how urgent it, it'll feel to me. But, but I'm okay with you saying, I don't have a plan yet, but I'll get right back to you with one. Don't call me with that. Don't try to get me on the phone with that. Just shoot me an email and says and say, "Hey, I know you have you're having an issue. Um, you don't need to worry about it. We've got it. I'll be back with a plan in insert amount of time here." What's the root cause of that request you just laid out? Like I, so when people ask me how CIOs and CTOs get measured, I say to them, "It's changed. You know what it used to be was four things, right? What it used to be was blinking lights in the data center, availability, performance. That was number one." Number two, what it used to be is red, green, yellow project success, either you know, hoping you have more greens than reds. Uh, what it used to be was uh, budget, right? Hopefully you're sure. spending as much as you can in a consistent way. And then fourth item was what it used to be is risk, right? Keep me out of the papers. Uh, make sure the, the bad actors don't find my data, right? That's what it used to be. What it is now is those same four things 
plus a whole bunch of other things. What, what, what people don't realize is those four things didn't go away. They're still my responsibility. I still get measured on them, especially if they fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the red parts are there, right? But now sure. in addition to that, it's people programs, diversity, uh, culture, turnover. It's also um, I'm now measured on corporate financials, corporate yep. growth, corporate health. I'm now measured on um, corporate marketing programs like brand. I'm now measured on corporate risk, not just security risk. I'm now measured on a whole bunch of other things, including participation as a peer to the rest of the CEO organization, that now I'm way more distracted than the original four. I have the original four, but then all of these other things. And therefore, as you, the word you used was frictionless becomes all that more important. Is that, is my premise true? Yeah, but I think you're, I think you're, I think you might be missing a couple things. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Because every, like, if you lay out those first, those first four or five things again, right, kind of the original nexus of IT CIO leadership from a traditional standpoint, um, all of that was reported in a preset manner in a way that was black box. Right. As in, if you didn't tell me this project was red, I likely still wouldn't know that it was red because it's not really something that I care about. Because at the time, technology was, um, it was a feature of the business and it was, it was a somewhat enabler of the business, mm -hmm. right? Um, it was kind of a bedfellow that you didn't really want to have to have, but, but you did it because you couldn't really continue to do things the old way. Today, technology is the business. And therefore, that stuff is now getting escalated because my COO is hearing about it, mm -hmm. right? Because it's affecting production in my factory, because it's affecting my ability to build, because it's affecting the day-to-day -day operations of something that matters. And it is the business. We are hard down for that business unit when that thing fails. Right. right? Um, and that didn't used to happen. Right. In the good old days, it was much, much, much more of a black box. Like you could almost have systems down and go watch a movie. Yeah. And no one would really know because they didn't really know what those systems did. And they had workarounds for when that stuff went down. And it was, frankly, it was more fragile than it is now. Right. And there Today, was always a paper method. Correct. I, I always could order checks via fax if I had to. Right. <laughs> I didn't have to key it in. Right, right. Now I don't have the ability to do those things, right? None of my checks and balances that have been put in place used to exist, right? So none of those will now run. So I, I, I can't do anything, right? None of my automations will work because I, they're automations. I, I don't necessarily even know the algorithms used to, to figure out the math behind them in a paper way, right? Um, so I no longer have the option of anything other than technology. Technology is the business. Now, I, I think it's important to understand there's a ton of peers of ours that haven't quite understood that yet. Really haven't quite come around to understanding that the world has changed and left them behind. And those are businesses and those are technology leaders that don't really, haven't really, you know, come around to understand that. And, you know, in small spaces, there are businesses that would insist technology isn't their business. I will tell you, I can't see a point, I can't see a place where they're not completely wrong. Right. right. Um, their business is technology, even the grocery stores. Right. They all switch to e-tags. They're doing online fulfillment. Like if you do online fulfillment of a physical retail store, technology is your business because right. you can't reconcile the two sides of that coin 
without the technology linkage, right? And when it goes wrong, it goes wrong in a bad way. I bought uh, groceries online yesterday because we just didn't want to spend the time shopping in the store. My wife didn't want to wander around. Um, so we did everything online and they do substitutions. And one of the substitutions they did was for a chili pepper that on the website said it, they cost four cents per pepper and they exchange it for a pepper that cost a dollar per pepper. Hmm. Same quantity, right? Uh, it's a minor thing, but ultimately a $20 mistake. Now my wife has to go back to the store and return the peppers, right. which they have to throw in the trash. Right, of course. Right? Why? Because the online system and the in-store system didn't match. Online, we ordered poblanos. They fulfilled pasillas. They don't even have pasillas. They are poblanos. But they claim right. the poblanos are out. I see. <laughs> right? Like, like, I'm not saying they're good at technology, but technology is still their business. Right? It's all, right. they got everything with e-tags. They, they, you know, even the, even the regular tags have, have been replaced. So technology now more embedded in the business, now more important than it ever has been, even though the budgets haven't changed, the role of the CIO and how they're measured has changed, and therefore the role of IT and how they get measured has changed, all leading back to your original point that the frictionist relationship becomes one of the primary requirements. Yeah, it's, it's just mandatory, right? If, yeah. if, if you're not frictionless, you're no longer invited in my office. I got too much stuff to do. I've got too many things that require my input and I already have too much friction, right? So if you're not a force multiplier for me and instead you create friction, then you're not invited in my office anymore. And, and I'll be honest, if you're not invited in my office anymore, you may think of yourself on the chopping block because I don't care about you enough to keep you in my office, which means I don't care enough about you to protect you, which means at any point I can decide this is no longer gonna get renewed, this is no longer gonna get bought, we're gonna displace this vendor. Right. So frictionless, but on the other hand, proactive. C correct, correct. Fr friction is things that slow me down, not things that speed me up. I, I realize friction has kind of multiple definitions and, and, and does go both directions, but that's what I mean, right? I specifically right. mean drag, right? right? Friction that causes drag. You have to be without that. So don't slow me down, speed me up. Make me better, make me more efficient, make me more effective. Right. Um, I always get asked what keeps you up at night, and and the fact is, n nothing work related keeps me up at night. <laughs> That's the advantage of sitting on top of the mountain. <laughs> right. Right. There's a ton of stuff that may keep my engineers up at night. There's a ton of stuff that might keep their bosses up at night. Directors may may be kept up at night. I'm the CIO. I don't get kept up at night. Right. And if I do, it has nothing to do with work. Right. And, and frankly, it, it, if if it does have to do with work, I'm still not going to tell you because it's likely some sort of confidential board level, right? right. C-level decision that's going on, C-level work that's going on that is causing me causing me friction that I'm still not going to tell you about. So it's nothing that you can do anything about. Right. Um, and and frankly, if you end up keeping me up at night, you will soon find yourself fired. So that's existing vendor, existing partner, existing relationship. How about new partner? Like how do how does a how does a new vendor get on your agenda, become one of your you know, offering consumers? How do, how does that happen? The the best way is make something that I didn't think was important important. Hmm. Right? That's the best way for me. There's there's nothing that I would say is better than 
then tell me why I missed something that should have been important, was unaware of something that should be important, or deprioritize something that should be prioritized. Right. If you do that, you bring me something and 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 make it make it important. I, I promise you, if I find out you're feeding me fud, I'm throwing you out of the building. Right. Give me reality. Give me something right. I can right. use. Give me something that's actionable. Give me something that should be important, and I'll bring you in the room and we'll talk about it. Right. How about that's reverse, where you know you have to do something. Let's say that something is create efficiency via automation, and. I don't know how to do that. You know, I have a, an inkling. I've, I'm well read on the topic. I know I need to do, you know, CI/CD pipelines. I knew, know I need to do some RPA work, but I don't really have people or technology or programs to do that. How do I bring these vendors to the table? Well, what what should they showcase to me? What what what's going to make me want to buy one over the other? Um. What they need to convince me of is that the worst experience I'm ever going to have is the pre-sales experience. Oh. And I realize nobody does that. Like it's the, it tends to be the best experience, but that's the right. challenge, right? I, I want to feel like the experience just gets better from here. You, you learn my business better. Um, you learn where I'm going. You learn how I operate. You learn where my, my blank space is, my, my unknown spaces, my blind spots are, um, right. and you start to color those in for me with every successive interaction. Right. Right. Um, and if all you're doing is racing to the punchline, if all you're doing is racing to get me to sign a PO, I get demotivated really quick, right? Mm. Spending money doesn't educate me at all. It doesn't make me better and it doesn't help me achieve my goals. Right. And the best thing you can do is convince me that you've got it. Right. Uh, we're an expert. You're not right. Me being the you're in this case, we right. being the vendor. Um, we're an expert. You're not. Let us take over the things that we're really, really good at. Right. Give us enough contact and enough communication so we can understand your business. And then you don't have to worry about this anymore. Right? How do I convince you that I have a skill set and I'm confident enough and that I could do it? Uh, show me. There, there's 50 ways you can show me. Use cases, right. case studies. Is that valuable um, stuff? Um, it, kind of. Kind of. It depends on how believable they are, right? If you show <laughs> me a 700x savings, I'm not likely to believe you. Right. Right. Yeah, if you show me, like, if I'm, um, if I'm, I don't know, um, the, the second largest bank in Omaha and I'm regional and your case study is Chase Manhattan, go away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that 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 doesn't do anything for me at all, right? Um, if your case study is my biggest competitor, right? Like if I'm global and it's still my biggest competitor, I'm also likely not interested. Show hmm. me something similarly sized. I would rather you pick similarly sized different industry and show me that you understand my industry. Right. Right. Show me what the other guy, show me what my, comp, my, my, my next competitor is not doing. Right. If I'm in manufacturing and you did a thing in telecom, that seems really interesting. Like I could leverage that. Talk to me about it. Yep. Right? Same general scope, same general scale, same general problem set, even if it's a different industry. Yeah. yeah. And I would rather hear that. I would rather hear about how I can do something that no one's doing in my industry. Right. 
rather than, hey, here, you can do the same thing the bigger guy's doing. Okay, but they've already got the advantage of that. I need to figure out how to leapfrog them. I'm, I don't, I, I'm not trying to keep parity with them. I don't want to stay behind them. Right. right. Give me something that allows me to leapfrog them. And still and, the and, goal isn't for you to do the work forever. The goal is for you to do the work until such time as I know how to do the work. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, right? There's all kinds of things that I, I may decide I never want to own, mm-hmm. but I should still be enabled to own it if I want. Right. right? <laughs> I want to have the choice either direction, right? I want to I wanna be able to always, constantly, every week, every day, every month, every quarter, every year, be able to make the decision that I'm going to continue to outsource this because they're, the, the vendor I've chosen is really good. They've done everything to earn and keep my trust. And why do I want to bother staffing for that when it's obviously doesn't require enough tribal knowledge of my business that I have to pull it in-house? Yeah. Or it's a distraction. Good. Right. Yeah. Right. If I've got a limited, the hardest thing for me to do is add a head. Right. 100% true. It's, it's the hardest thing. One head is the hardest thing. Right. So, so, so convince me that I don't need to add a head. Convince me that I can free up a quarter of a head three times and utilize that for things that are more valuable to my business. Right. That's how I start to trust you. I start to trust you. I mean, we're humans, right? We communicate in language. So I start trusting you in the language that you use. Right. Right. Um, and, and, and you really got to know, like, if you come in and you're wanting to disrupt something that's existing, it has to be worth it. And I don't mean it has to have an ROI because what you fail, what, what everyone fails to consider is I, I have to teach people how to use a new tool to displace a tool they already have and explain why the new tool is necessary. Right. So, so my, I'm going to, I'm going to have that same J curve that we've talked about before. Right? I'm going to have that same within that capability and god forbid it's a new capability because now i have to teach them to think about a new capability from a philosophical standpoint right how is this applied why is it applied where is it best applied what problem does it solve that you likely didn't realize existed yesterday or didn't think about in this manner and then i have to teach you how to apply it in a new tool set right right so you really if you're going to displace what i already have you really better be good and it and it and it's got to be more than simple dollars and cents, right? And 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 honestly, just to be honest, a great way to do that is start talking about professional services from day one. Like the thing I care about most and where all my value lies is with my people, not my tools. So why did why should you be any different? Right. Right. Don't just tell me about your your tool. Tell me about your people too. Why are your people what makes you the best? Because I promise every customer believes their people make them the best. <laughs> Right. So why would you be any different? Why, why shouldn't you use the same language? Why shouldn't you tell me about that? Right. Um, and, and, and do know that if I can, if I can do, if I can mechanical Turk, what you're trying to sell me and I can get the budget for it and it costs the same amount of money, I would much rather have the heads because all of the technology in the world is fleeting. All the technology in the world is evolving. And if I get 10 heads uh, and I can mechanical Turk it in a year, I won't have to mechanical Turk it. And in two years, I'll have five of those heads freed up to do other things. And once I get the heads, I'm, I'm, you know, barring mass layoffs, I'm unlikely to lose them. And it's yeah. the thing I'll fight the most for. It's the thing I'll work the most for. It's just as difficult to reduce a head as it is to increase a head. It, it is, it is. And, 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 and I realize, comp, you know, employees, especially the further away you get from the decision, think that's an easy decision. And that's a really, really, really hard decision. Right. No organization 
makes those decisions with a flippant attitude. Right. They are well thought out. They are well planned. And, you know, unless you're a sociopath, <laughs> right? Um, and, and no deciding, no, no individual makes that decision and no deciding body is made up of all sociopaths. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. There's a lot of back and forth discussion that goes into it. There's a lot of fight that goes into it. Um, yep. and, and that may not translate all the way down, but, but you're not talking all the way down at this point, you're talking about the CIO to the, to the CIO about the CIO. Right. Um, I, I will jettison every spare piece of technology. Like, like we're, we're dumping everything overboard to keep the, the airplane from crashing and reduce our weight rather than toss a single person out. Right. 100%. Right. I'm tossing the radar. I'm tossing the parachutes. We're stripping seats and throwing them out the, the bay doors. <laughs> right. Like I'll toss everything I can possibly toss. I'll toss the food and we'll eat our own shoes before I'm tossing <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 100%. Right. Um, so, so, you know, you need to, you need, you need to kind of think about that. And ultimately I'm value driven. So what is the value that you're bringing? And can I quantify that value? If you're displacing someone, I know exactly what the value is because I've been running it. Right. Right. If you're adding something new, if it's an additional capability, I'm going to be super price conscious because I have no idea what the value of that really is to my business at this place in time. Yeah. Yep. And I'm going to do the math. Right. I'm going to say if you're costing me 160 hours a month, well, that's an FTE. Correct. So uh, you have to prove to me that the value you're creating with the 160 hours is greater than me hiring a person to do that work. C correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. And the more, the, the more, I don't care what you do, the more dollars it costs me, the more people it costs me as well. Right. Right. Just because it's a more complex program to manage and therefore, the ROI, the real true value that I get has to be measurable to a multiple. Right. Right. Like um, the movie math is two and a half times. So if a movie costs a hundred million dollars, I have to get 250 million in receipts to pay for the movie. That's, that's break even point. Anything above right. that I make money. Right. Um, so, so if it's the same, if you're going to charge me a million bucks, I have to, I have to bring in, I have to return two and a half million in value to break even. Right. And, and I realized I just made up a number, a two and a half X multiplier. <laughs> I will tell you, it's not far off. Right. It's in a reasonable it's, range. That's for sure. It's, yeah. yeah. It's well within the reasonable range. Right. And so, so like, that's where I'm, my head's at. That's what I'm thinking. I'm not remotely thinking about, you know, just what does this cost me in my OPEX or CAPEX budget, but, but what is the value hit? And what is the value that I need to drive? Right. Right. And, and, and I'm, you know, making up numbers and trying to placate me is not really going to work. You, you know, if you, if you're going to make up numbers, you need to learn about my business. And if I can scratch at it like a lottery ticket and peel it away, um, I'm going to throw it on the floor, like a, like a dead scratch or two and just walk away. <laughs> right. And, and that's okay. Like, like that means you, you need to be able to sit with me and go, okay, so how are we going to work together to bring value? I'm, I'm good with that conversation. You don't need to do it in a black box. Right. Um, but do know I'm going to be skeptical if you haven't done the work. Right. Carlos, that was a healthy 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, really thinking about what they, who we wish they knew. It's interesting because, like you said, if they will take the time, like you said, to help you eliminate the friction. You want them there. 
because you're going to call, hey, these people help me. Now, let me call them back. So I think that for all our audience, make sure that you, that's the first thing. The product is not the key. It's how can we help the customer to eliminate any challenges, any friction. Hey, I'm thirsty. Can I get something to drink? That's the simplest <laughs> thing. Don't, don't bring me something hot because I'm thirsty. Uh, so, my friends, make sure that you share, you subscribe, and we'll see you on our next episode.